Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes and leave comments and reviews. The show is also on Facebook, Twitter, Google Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. The website for the show is theactorsroom.libsyn.com. The site gives you access to all past episodes. Enjoy the show. You're sitting in a restaurant, minding your own business. You have a nice cheeseburger in front of you and fries on the side. Then out of nowhere, a hand reaches over and takes a handful of fries. You flinch. You look. You see Bill Murray. He grins and says this. No one will ever believe you. Standing on the corner of the crosswalk, you're waiting across the street in the middle of Manhattan. Suddenly, a man puts his hands over your eyes and says, Guess who? You haven't played this game since you were in the third grade. The voice sounds familiar. You turn around and are faced with, Guess who? Bill Murray. He says, No one will ever believe you. You even have to keep an eye on your treats while watching a flick at the movie theater because Bill can be looming, ready to take a handful of popcorn. And the punchline was always the same. Now these rumors, for the most part, have been going on for years. And was this really happening? Did someone start this con job just, you know, out of nowhere to gain some interest? You know, make it a story. But Murray seems spontaneous, cool, strange, all at the same time. Bill would be asked about these situations and say this, quote, I've heard about that from a lot of people, lots of people. I don't know what to say. There's probably a really appropriate thing to say, but by God, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? Just so crazy and unlikely and unusual, right? End of quote. Is it possible that Bill can show up during your bachelor party and make a toast? Is it possible he can show up at another party, crash it, then end up doing your dishes before he leaves? Is it also possible that you are taking a family photo in the park and suddenly Bill Murray stands in front of the camera, takes his shirt off, and rubs his belly? Yes, it is possible and has been confirmed by others. There is evidence of Murray singing karaoke with strangers and crashing parties. So awesome. What a trickster. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and today we're going to talk about just the crazy, fun, very talented actor, Bill Murray. And uh, it's been uh, a week, a lot going on with my family. I don't want to get into it, but kind of stressed out. I'm actually on vacation this week. I took the week off. I usually take a week off in January, take down the Christmas tree, do some things around the house. But I, I kind of pushed it back, and I took this week here in February, and it's been great. Although a lot's going on in my personal life that I don't want to talk about, the week itself, being away from work, you need it. You need that mental break. Did a lot of resting. Did a few things around the house. But for the most part, I concentrated 
on just taking it easy. I took my time with this Bill Murray episode that I wanted to do. I wanted to do something light, something fun. And talking about Bill Murray is exactly that. From what I have heard, Bill Murray is one of the funniest people to work with in the business. And I mean that when he's on set. He makes his co-stars relaxed because he loves to joke around. Always loose on the set. Always performing as well, which reveals nothing of his true self. Let's get into the life of the wonderful and talented Bill Murray. He was born on September 21st, 1950 in Evanston, Illinois. It's a suburb of Chicago. His parents' names are Edward and Lucille. Bill was the fifth of nine children. Now that's a big family. They grew up sort of poor and money was very tight. So tight that the kids slept three to a room. All of the Murray children got along very well because Bill would end up saying they had to. Now, Bill was the middle child in a big family, right? So it was hard to gain attention from his parents. And you could just think about that. uh, Take a moment and think about the fact that there are nine kids in this family. And he smacked down right in the middle of, you know, four older children. Okay. And then four younger children. And any of you that are part of a family that might have three kids and you're the middle child, I hear it's hard because, you know, the, the older one gets a lot of, uh, oh, you're older, a little bit more respect, you know more, uh, you're sort of a mentor to your other siblings. And then you have the younger child who's the baby of the family, probably gets a little more, you know, affection, so to speak. So you can only imagine how rough it was for Bill being the middle of nine kids. So what he would do is he would use his comedy to gain the attention of his parents. And if you think about this also, the previous episodes that I have done, um, Robin Williams, okay, and Heath Ledger, and uh, what, Daniel Day, I think, was another good example. Um, I think you can scratch Heath from that uh, similarity. But Robin Williams can identify with this as well. Another comedian, he really took his comedy and his improv skills and used it to gain the attention of his mother. Now, he also wanted attention from his dad. His dad was sort of a very dry guy. He had a sense of humor, but for the most part, he looked like one of those guys that just needed a laugh. And Bill Murray would go ahead and give this to his dad. Bill would go on to say, that getting a laugh from his dad was like winning a merit scholarship. It meant very much to him. Three of Bill's brothers would go into show business as well. And I love this because I really like Brian Doyle Murray. His older brother got into the business before Bill. And he shows up a lot in Bill Murray movies. And he also shows up in almost anything National Lampoon did. You would see him as well if you think about the Chevy Chase vacation movies. Brian Doyle Murray, I think, is in every single one. Not the same character, but he does appear in the movie. Um, and I th- I like him a lot. Now, his other two brothers are John and Joel. 
And actually, all of the brothers appeared in the film Scrooge together. The only time they were in the same movie. And uh, John Murray, I think he's funny. One of my most favorite movies when I was a kid was called Moving Violations. The movie itself is kind of bad, but it's funny. And John Murray is great in that movie. Jennifer Tilly is in that movie as well. Um, And I liked it a lot when I was a kid. Watched it all the time. Funny movie. If you've never seen Moving Violations with John Murray, I recommend it very much. His dad worked as a salesman for a lumber company. And as much as Bill enjoyed getting a laugh from his dad, his own family would say that he was much more like his mother. He just never realized it. Bill's first performance came as the innkeeper in a Christmas pageant at St. Joseph's grade school. He then attended Loyola Academy, where he appeared in the Kane Mutiny and then auditioned for The Music Man. He got a small part of a dancer and realized that this acting thing was pretty fun. Plus, you get to hang around a lot of girls. He was having fun goofing on stage, then goofing off stage as well. After rehearsal, the theater gang would hop into someone's Cadillac and cruise the streets until midnight, sipping stolen gin out of 8-ounce 7-Up bottles. He is also a huge sports fan. I like that about Bill. Big sports fan. Me too. He felt it a great way to place your energy into. He remembers his brother Brian Doyle Murray taking him to his first baseball game at Wrigley Field. Brian covered his eyes until he got closer and closer to the field. So I guess his brother Brian, his older brother, took him to a baseball game. And that was his first one. And his brother Brian, uh, when they got into the stadium placed his hands over Bill's eyes and crept closer and closer to the field until he got to a certain point. He said, okay. And he took his hands away and Bill was faced with this beautiful sight. Bill would say that it was the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. Wrigley Park was just gorgeous and he never forgot about that. And Murray would also end up working at a golf club as a caddy. And this would spark his interest and love for golf. But he also learned a great deal about people at this job. The good and the bad. How people treated him and one another. And at this place, he started to study behavior. His dad ended up passing of diabetes in 1967. Very young, at the age of 46. And Bill was only 17. With the father gone, his mother, Lucille had to take on quite a responsibility. She took a job in the mailroom of a medical supply company, and Bill would help out by working at a local pizza shop. Murray is very smart, but didn't apply himself like he should have in school. His grades were fair, but he would rather play sports and just goof around. He did end up going to Regis College in Denver and registered as a pre-med major. Bill would say that he loved college and its atmosphere, but of course hated the work. He would wear pajamas at all times. I guess he would wear pajamas, especially like the pajama pants and like a t-shirt, and he would put a sports jacket on. That's quite an outfit. And he felt that he was sort of changing the uh, landscape of fashion at this time. (laughs) But Bill, (laughs) 
I can picture him in that outfit too. And I, and picturing it on him, I think it would actually look pretty damn good. All right, get this. Bill loved the party, right? Well, he also loved to travel as well. And he would travel across the country dealing drugs. His favorite to sell was top-of-the-line Jamaican marijuana by the kilo. He would come back from his little adventures with stories about the people he met and nearly getting busted. Now, here is one of his stories. And this is actually true. Bill was about to board an airplane and had a suitcase with him. He was turned away because he didn't have the proper identification. He snapped back at them, being cocky. And he was upset he couldn't get on. And he said, eh, I can't get on. That's really upsetting to me. And I'll tell you why. This is why. I have a couple of bombs in my suitcase. Oh boy, that's something you don't want to say around an airport. Because that will, will grab the attention of everyone around you. Well, of course, not a good idea. He was arrested right on the spot. And had his suitcase searched. No bombs were found, of course. But what did they find? Five bricks of weed worth $20,000. This occurrence actually made the Chicago Tribune. Isn't that amazing? I've never heard of this. Now, he was tried and then put on probation. He got lucky. He then decided to quit school. He didn't need it anymore. But getting back to him being arrested and dealing drugs the way he did, I didn't know this about him. He was kind of a big drug dealer in college. Isn't that something? It takes a brazen person to do what he was doing at this time. And I think that sort of... It sort of shows a side of Bill Murray and his makeup. Brazen, cocky, okay, I can do these things and probably get away with it. He didn't. He got too cocky. But I find this side of Bill Murray to be quite interesting. Now, Mr. Bill Murray moved back home after this college incident and was rumored to walk the streets alone at night, trying to figure out what the hell he was going to do with his life. He would have many odd jobs, but nothing held his interest. He wanted so badly to make his mother proud. Bill found himself hanging around Second City in Chicago. Now, this was a comedy theater. It was his brother, Brian Doyle, that started there, and Bill decided to give it a try. Why the hell not? Now, here we go. Bill would eventually make his way on the stage at Second City. And this is who he shared the stage with. John Candy, John Belushi, Harold Ramis, and Gilda Radner. Now, that's a fucking group. He was taught by his mentor, Del Close, to not be afraid to fail on the stage. Falling can be fun. You have to be unafraid to die up there, Bill would say. He would also say this important acting lesson. Quote, If you make the other actors look good, you'll look good. End of quote. Love that quote. And I'll tell you why. He's being giving on stage. Okay? And that's what makes a great actor. Bill Murray, he's a great actor. Okay, here we go. 
In Second City, Bill would invent characters such as Carl and Caddyshack and Nick the Lounge Singer. It is noted that he could be dangerous on stage. There was even an incident where he assaulted an audience member because he was being a heckler. Here is a quote from someone that worked with him in Second City. Quote, he was charming, always seducing, assholey kind of guy. Like a jerk, willing to make a fool of himself, willing to do anything in order to get the girl. There's something admirable about that. And there's something that makes you want to punch him in the face. End of quote. John, before I move on with that quote, I just want to point this out. The word assholey is a word that someone used to describe Bill Murray. Assholey. What a great word. I'm going to have to put that into my vocabulary, I think, because that was the first time I've ever heard of the word assholey. Now, John Belushi would end up leaving Second City and move to New York to become a producer at National Lampoons. He asked Bill to join him. Murray was not close to John at this time, but he saw it as an opportunity. The show went on tour, and Murray and Belushi became roommates. Uh, Bill performed at many shows and even got an audition for a new show called Saturday Night Live. He didn't get in. The casting directors were down to the final spot, and it was between Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. So, mm, so close that year. He made it pretty close. Dan Aykroyd beat him out. But no worries. Bill would end up on the show the very next season when Chevy Chase decided to leave the show. Now, Bill was a bit hesitant at first to take on Saturday Night Live because he saw how fame was affecting Belushi and Aykroyd. But Bill decided to go ahead and join the hottest show on television. Thank God. Now, he saw very little stage time at first, but there was a skit he did that showed his true self, and the audience just fell in love with him. He would become known for his lounge singer, family feud host, and for his weekend update appearances. I believe it was Bill's ability to be insincere on the stage that made things work for him. My favorite is when he acts alongside Gilda Radner and they play those nerds. They're really great together. They work great together. And of course, they knew each other on Second City years before. So they were comfortable around one another. And it showed. The two of them work well together. The nerds. Great stuff. And I guess he was also romantically involved with Gilda Radner. I didn't know that either. I always just assumed that Gilda Radner and Gene Wilder were together forever. But of course, that's not true. And Bill Murray and her um, had a thing going on. So that's interesting. John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd left Saturday Night Live after the big success of Blues Brothers. So Murray was now the top dog. When Chevy Chase was number one on SNL, he was kind of difficult. When John Belushi was the number one guy on SNL, he was kind of difficult. When Bill Murray was the number one guy on SNL, guess what? He was kind of difficult. That's just the way it goes with things like that. The talent, right? Because I guess Lorne Michael, the producer and creator, owner of Saturday Night Live, had uh, seen a lot. 
and explains that when you're talented and you're around a lot of talent and you're the big dog, the number one guy, it just sort of seems to happen that way. And Murray would be the one yelling at people. You let the talented ones be that way, Lorne Michaels said. After five seasons on SNL, Bill was done and wanted to try Hollywood. He would appear in a few films before he left Saturday Night Live, like Meatballs, and that would go on to be Carl and Caddyshack in 1980. So I jump ship in Hong Kong, and I make my way over to Tibet, and I get on as a looper at a course over there in Himalayas. A looper? A looper. You know, a caddy, a looper. Jack. So I tell him I'm a pro jack, and who do you think they give me? The Dalai Lama himself, the 12th son of the Lama. The flowing robes, the grace, bald, striking. So I'm on a first tee with him, I give him the driver. He hauls off and whacks one, big hitter, the Lama. Long, into a 10,000 foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. Do you know what the Lama says? No. Gunga Galunga. Gunga, Gunga la Gunga. So we finish 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. (laughs) So I got that going for me, which is nice. I watched this fucking movie all the time. Love Carl. What a fun character. Now, I understand he worked at a golf course when he was a kid, and he was a caddy, so he had a kind of an idea about how to feel around a golf course and all that stuff, but all that goes out the window. This character was so original, so fun to watch, and he has this kid. That clip I played for you, he has this kid up against, like, a a wall, all right? And he's talking to him. They're outside of the golf course and stuff like that. And he's all goofy. He's got this goofy hat on. And he's the groundskeeper. He's dirty. He's a mess. And he's talking about him being a caddy for some Dalai Lama. And he has a pitchfork in his hand. And he's got this pitchfork up against his kid's throat while he's telling this story. And it's really weird because the kid, I mean, it's funny. But the kid looks nervous. He's got this pitchfork. I mean, it's, it's hitting his neck. And he's telling this story like, no big deal. He's just using his pitchfork as like a prop. And it's like, he's going to hurt this kid. It's a brilliant little scene. It's funny. It's great. If you've never seen Caddyshack, it's a, it's a zany, beautiful film. It's about golf, but it's hardly, there's hardly any golf in it. Chevy Chase is brilliant. Um, it's just a great film. Uh, It's a fun film to watch. I know I'm kind of going on and on about Caddyshack, but there's something about it. And Kenny Loggins, okay, I think he's brilliant as well. He did a lot of songs on this soundtrack, which are just perfect for the film. Um, it's, I don't know if you would call it a cult classic. I think it's a little bit more than that. But there are many people out there that adore Caddyshack. Now, a notable film in the same year, is called Where the Buffalo Roam, in which he plays writer Hunter S. Thompson. Now, that is one creepy dude. Now, I recommend doing research of your own on Thompson 
because he was really strange. Brilliant, but strange. Then came Stripes in 1981. Here we go. Stripes. Holy shit. All right, I took an acting class in Cleveland before I moved to New York City. Okay, and um, we, I don't know, we practiced a lot of monologues, I remember, in this class. The teacher would sort of talk about other things as well, but she would hand out monologues to people. And in Stripes, the monologue that Bill Murray has when the soldiers are getting ready, they're late, they've overslept, and they have that big uh, uh, graduation they have to go to, right? And they're just a mess. They have to learn their steps, so on and so forth. And they're all very disgruntled. Well, Bill Murray gets up there and starts to kind of get them all confident again. You know, um, go out there, do a great job. A very emotional scene. And when you're watching that scene, when you're a kid, okay, you just don't see that stuff. You watch a movie, you move on. Okay, Bill Murray's funny, whatever. When I took this acting class, that monologue was one of the monologues this teacher handed out to us. It was lengthy. It doesn't seem like it would be that lengthy, but it is. There's a lot of dialogue in that monologue. And I went home. I took a look at it. I said, this is going to be so easy to do. It was not. I found myself imitating Bill Murray, which is something you shouldn't do. You should make it your own. Have your own emotion. Bring it out organically from you. And when I went to do this monologue, it was so fake. It was horrible. I hated it. And I hated the fact that I couldn't do it. Now, mind you, I was very early in my progression and learning about acting and stuff like that. But it made me realize at that point in time how difficult acting was. And just how much I respected someone like Bill Murray that could take that dialogue and make it his own. Although Bill Murray was known for improving a lot, he didn't do it all the time. He did it a lot, but there's no way he did it all the time. And I just wanted to point that out, that not only is Stripes a very funny film, you got John Candy, Harold Ramis, uh, you know, Bill Murray, it's just a fun film. The first half, really good. Second half, eh. But Bill Murray is showing signs of someone that can act. He's not just a comedian that's good, you know, flail around the stage being stupid and silly and funny and putting on funny faces. This guy was more than that. And you get a glimpse of that in this movie Stripes. Now he would go on to uh, co-star in a movie called Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman. And this is probably one of my top 20 favorite films. It's well written, well directed, Sidney Pollack, well cast, and perfectly acted. Dustin Hoffman, Terry Garr, and Sidney Pollack join Bill Murray in this beautiful film. Just watch how great Murray is. He is perfect. He's natural and playful in his character. Impressed with him. And realizing that he really is an actor and a comedian. My brother and I discussed Robin Williams last week. And mentioned how good Robin was at both comedy and drama. Same deal here. Not to the same extent, but you get the gist. Then came the movie that made him a huge movie star. And a movie that most people just love. Ghostbusters. Okay, fun film. No doubt about that. Uh, And everybody knows it. It's a fun film. The original. But here are some tidbits about this film. Here we go. The original cast... 
was supposed to be John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, and Eddie Murphy. When Belushi died, it changed everything. Even the plot. But I gotta tell you that I think Bill Murray was perfect as Peter Vakeman. I like John Belushi. I do. But Bill Murray's better. Now, it's, it's hard to say that because Belushi died very young. And we don't really know what John Belushi would have been as an actor. He could have been good. I just didn't see it. Bill Murray, though. Bill Murray was better than John Belushi. Uh, that's just my opinion. Now, I guess Bill Murray's dialogue in Ghostbusters was 90% ad-libbed. Ghostbusters was the highest grossing film until Home Alone came along. The Razor's Edge in 1984 is one of note. He attempted to try something different and was instrumental in getting this on the screen. But it wasn't a success. But you have to give him credit for trying to do something like that. Very dramatic role. It didn't do well, but props to Bill Murray. Little Shop of Horrors is next. And I like this one. It's a musical with, um, who's that really, that little guy that was in Parenthood I, I like very much. Oh man, why can't, I can't remember his name. Hmm, Rick Moranis. Love Rick Moranis. And he has a really nice voice. Very surprised at that. You would also be pleasantly surprised with a lot of actors that have natural uh, musical ability and have beautiful voices. Great example, Martin Short. You would never think it. But Martin Short has a beautiful voice. Uh, We went out to New York City when I was a kid uh, and saw him on Broadway with Bernadette Peters in the Goodbye Girl. And we were just blown away. Are you kidding me? Martin Short? Just a gorgeous voice. He had that theater Broadway tone. It was just, it was rich. It was full. And you think to yourself, my God, the talent on this man, Martin Short. But anyway, this is a musical. And I guess Bill Murray plays the guy. And I love this role. It's a small role. It's a cameo. Okay, Jack Nicholson did the original Little Shop of Horrors back in the day. And he played the same role. This character loves pain. And he loves going to the dentist. Just like the rest of us, right? Wrong. But this guy, this character, loved dentists. And would find himself in the chair, loving the pain. And uh, this is a great scene between Bill Murray... And Steve Martin, Steve Martin plays the dentist and there's just gauze all in his mouth and he's going in there. He's, he's trying to rip his teeth out and Bill Murray's like more, more and laughing and carrying on. It's just a fun scene. Okay. So moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite Christmas movies. I didn't see it this year. I damn it. It was just one of those times, hey, you know, you can't, you can't watch all the Christmas movies. You try, and it seems like there's always one you miss. Well, I missed Scrooge this year, and I was kind of pissed about it. I really liked the film. Bill Murray didn't like the final product. It was very disappointed. Uh, he claims that him and director Richard Donner did not get along and work well with the film. Murray felt the script was amazing, but it wasn't done right. And it bothered him. 
And I want to bring this up as well. This movie was the very first starring role for Murray since Ghostbusters. I guess he was going through some personal stuff and even considered quitting acting. Mr. Murray ad-libbed most of his lines. In a 1988 interview with Philadelphia Daily News, director Richard Donner discussed Murray's penchant for improv and described the experience of directing him as follows, quote, It's like standing on 42nd Street and Broadway, and the lights are out, and you're the traffic cop, end of quote. Okay, because Mr. Murray has done so many films, I will touch on only the ones that stick out to me going forward. So I do apologize if I skip over a favorite of yours. What about Bob? 1991. What a movie. What a character. Bob Wiley. The best scene for me is when he's uh, he's in the room with the kid. right? He has to sleep over because it's raining. So he's sharing the room with... Uh, Richard Dreyfus's son, and they got the beds all set up a certain way and all that stuff. And, and Bill Murray just plays this off-the-wall guy that's afraid of everything. He's just one of those guys that walk around thinking, my appendix can explode at any moment, and the world is just a dark place. And he gets um, involved with this family because he's a stalker, and he stalks all of his doctors. Well, he stalks Richard Dreyfus's character, and he gets in the home. And starts to become part of the family. Richard Dreyfus doesn't like this. But it's inevitable. It's happening. And in the process. Okay. Bob Wiley. Starts to loosen up. It's working. Oh man. It works so well. Because his character is just a lonely guy. He's afraid of everything. Everything's dark. And things start to brighten up for him. Being a part. Of the family unit. And he's in the room with this kid. And it's kind of like the feel of it. It's like a sleepover. You got this guy. He has to be what? Around 55 years old. Right? But he acts like a kid. And the scene builds up to where. um, They're getting really deep in dialogue about death. And you can see Bill Murray just. The look on his face. I mean he's just petrified. At the thought of death. And you know he thinks about it all the time, you know. And the kid's like, why are we here? And all this stuff. And they talk about their little fears. And then the very next scene, you see the Bill Murray's character and the kid. And they're just jumping on the bed, swearing at each other, so on and so forth. Having a great time. Like there are two kids having a sleepover. My favorite part of the film. And I pointed that scene out. Because it shows Bill Murray's playfulness. And in the process of his playfulness, he shines. And his next project is most likely to be his most popular film. Groundhog Day. Harold Ramis, his good friend. And the one that he would, you know, go on to act on stage in the very beginning of his career at Second City. Directed this film. And explained that he would try to tell Murray about a scene and Bill would interrupt him and ask, am I good, Phil? Or am I bad, Phil? That's all I need to know. And uh, Harold Ramis was, okay, fine. I'm trying to explain the scene to you, but if you just want to do it on your own, fine. And Harold Ramis would go on to say that there were many other actors that he considered for this role of Phil. 
uh, but turned them down because they were too nice. And he, he needed an actor that had an edge to him. And Bill Murray was that guy. He had an asshole part to him. Just like I expressed earlier, that assholey factor. It was a trait. He had it. He used it. It worked. And although him and his buddy Harold had a lot of disagreements about things on set, about the film, Bill was very passionate about what he was doing. He gave a shit. And he expressed his, his opinion about a scene or whatever. And I guess during this time in his life, he was going through a divorce at this time. So Bill was really into the project. He wanted to do it right. And I guess he was driving poor Harold Ramis absolutely crazy. He'd be calling him up in the middle of the night, early in the morning, discussing a scene, so on and so forth. And Ramis was just getting pissed. But maybe not pissed. Maybe that's the wrong word. Okay, because I'm that's my opinion. Maybe he wasn't pissed. He was just getting frustrated and annoyed. So what did he do? He had an assistant of his on the movie go visit Bill Murray, sit down with him. And I guess this assistant explained, listen, Bill, this is from Harold. He doesn't really want to deal with you right now. I'm here. Uh, Harold wants you to write down your grievances, all of your uh, complaints, so on and so forth, and talk with them with me. I will deal with it, and then I would give it back to Harold. Because of this, Bill Murray was very frustrated, uh, devastated, okay, that his friend would do this to him sort of abandoned him in a way. It was very frustrating for Bill. And what happened was, this led to a riff between the two of them. And they didn't speak after this movie for several years. Uh, A little tidbit about the film is that Bill got bitten by the real Groundhog several times during shooting and needed to have rabies shots. And on the DVD, director Harold Ramis states that the original idea was for Phil to live from February 2nd till 10,000 years down the line. Later, he says that Phil probably lived the same day for about 10 years. Think about that. Didn't know that. In watching the film, it's kind of in the back of your head, okay? How long or how many days is he having to go over and over and over? It's not explained in the film. 10 years. 10 years. Incredible. Imagine doing the same day over and over and over again for 10 years. It's hard for me to fathom that. When you really think about that, it kind of blows your mind. Is that like a higher power sort of punishing you in a way? Or, or I don't know. It is, I think. Having the same day over and over. Although, it is stated that They showed the positive effects of this little occurrence. And the movie didn't dive into the negative effects. Where it was a possibility they would have Phil, Bill Murray's character, sort of murder or torture in the movie. And then not having any repercussions the next day. Sort of like a little get out of jail free card every day. They didn't dive into that. Interesting stuff. Kind of deep, if you think about it. You would never think that Groundhog Day would be that deep in thought, but it is. 1996, Kingpin. Talk about an entertaining film. Gotta love Woody Harrelson and Murray. They work great together. Uh, Plus, you have Randy Quaid. 
Uh, Murray is such a dick in this one, but it works for him. And that hair, or whatever, that thing that he's got, is like flapping around. Great stuff. Uh, Once again, it is stated that Murray ad-libbed all of his lines in this one. All of them. Incredible. I guess he read the script once, and then threw it aside, and just got the general idea, and went with it. The directors of the film, the Ferrelli brothers, loved it. His ad-libbing was better than the script, they said. I guess Bill Murray really did throw three consecutive strikes at the end of the film, just like his character. And the reaction from the crowd when this happened was absolutely genuine. I love that shit. I do. And Woody Harrelson, by distinction, was a horrible bowler. I want to mention Wild Things with Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon. He played a small role in this one. He played a lawyer. I really love that character. He's got that neck brace on. Uh, He's funny, light, uh, real. Uh, in, the, in the movie I like, um, it's uh, it's a different kind of movie. And we're going to get into all the weird movies that he's going to do with Wes Anderson. I mean, just weird. But I'm pointing out wild things. I like his character. I like his acting in that movie. Kind of forgotten Bill Murray movie, I think. But one of note. All right, here we go. 1998. You get a film called Rushmore, and this will kick off his Wes Anderson kick. Bill Murray loved the script so much that he would have done it for free, he said. His character is depressed. He just walks around all the time with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth and some sort of alcoholic beverage right in his hand. Jason Schwartzman is fantastic as well. And on the first day of Principal Photography, director Wes Anderson delivered his directions to Bill Murray in a hushed whisper. So odd that he was working with Bill Murray that Bill Murray graciously deferred publicity to Anderson, helped haul equipment, and when Disney denied a helicopter scene that the director really wanted, the cost was $75,000, and guess what? Bill Murray pulled out a blank check and covered the cost. Wow. I love hearing about stuff like that, and it goes to show me that when Bill Murray was really passionate about a project, he would do just about anything to either get it made or to have something that might have been impossible to do and he found out that if it was going to make the movie better he would make it happen he didn't care Um, he was a rich man and although $75,000 may not have been a ton of money for him that's a lot of money to me man and when I hear that $75,000 he just took out a check said okay you really want that helicopter right and the studio said that's not our budget and you really really need it and Wes is like, I really do. I, I, I mean, I would prefer it. Took out a check. I'll sign my name. Whatever you need. Get it done. That goes a long way with me in an artist. It just really does. Now, the best scene is when Murray was asked if he was in Vietnam. And Jason Schwartzman's character, right? he plays the kid. I think he's like 15 years old. You got to see Rushmore if you've never seen it. Great film. But anyways, Jason Schwartzman and him, Bill Murray, are standing there. And Jason's like, were you in Vietnam? 
And Bill Murray's like, yeah, I was there. And Jason's like, were you in the shit? (laughs) And Bill Murray just kind of nonchalantly just looks at him and goes, I was in the shit. Just just the way he said it. You know, like, I was in the shit. There was no question about it. He was there. He was in the shit. The Royal Tenenbaums. Weird movie. Strange. Weird. That's all I can explain about this movie. And this is when I realized that he was starting a trend of making strange films with Wes Anderson. Uh, Deep, strange, and meaningful films. This rare sense of humor you see from Murray, okay? It switches up what you think about him when you see these films. It started with Rushmore, continued with this movie, then went on to Lost in Translation, The Life Aquatic, The Darjeeling Limited, and Broken Flowers. Now, the only two that were not done by Wes Anderson were Lost in Translation and Broken Flowers. Let's touch on Lost in Translation first. This was directed by Sofia Coppola, and it was a tremendous success, both at the box office and acclaimed by critics. Bill Murray suddenly was seen as a serious actor. I was not surprised at this. I believed that watching him in Stripes way back in the day, like I explained, that he was a fine actor, not just a comedian. And Mr. Bill Murray was nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars that year. But he didn't win. And it was a great performance. If he would have won, I would have not have been surprised. He wanted that Oscar so badly. Seeing Bill Murray stand up at that podium with an Oscar in his hand would have been just so enticing to see. I would have loved it. Just loved it. He means a lot to me. His acting means a lot to me. That might seem silly to some people. But Bill Murray, he's not a, he's not a good actor. Yes, he is. And he wanted that Oscar. He could taste it. And I'm going to play a clip for you. That shows a side of this. He's going to explain. That he had an idea in his mind. What he was going to say. If he won that Academy Award. Lost in Translation. Uh, Nominated. For an Oscar. Mm -hmm. It thought you were going to win it. I really did think. I won won all the prizes on (laughs) the way to it. I I mean you you were the guy. I had some funny things I was going to say. You know, (laughs) I was ready to go. I didn't have, I didn't have what notes were you or anything. Say? Oh, I was going to say, you know, when I heard I'd been nominated with, you know, and I named these other people, mm-hmm. I thought I really had a pretty good chance. That was my other <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I just thought that no one had ever given that speech. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, that would have been so cool. All right, maybe in the future, man. I, hey, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't be surprised to one day see Mr. Murray standing there accepting an Academy Award. It's very possible. But one of my favorite Murray films is Broken Flowers in 2005. It co-starred Jessica Lange and Sharon Stone, two actresses that I love very much. Bill plays a lonely man that was recently broken off in a relationship. Now he's at a low and gets a letter explaining that he has a son that wants to get in touch with him. Now he's intrigued at this notion. And now finds himself with a purpose. 
It's touching, and you see a part of Bill that's different. You feel his depression. He went deep here. He went so deep that Murray himself considered quitting acting altogether. He felt that he couldn't have done any better than this film. Now, here are a few other films that I want to just give a note to. City of Ember, Zombieland, Passion Play. This one surprised me. I was impressed with the performance by Megan Fox. And Mickey Wark is in it. He's good. And Murray Shines. I recommend Passion Play. And there's another collaboration with Wes Anderson called Moonrise Kingdom. A film called Hyde Park on Hudson. And then there's Grand Budapest Hotel. Wes Anderson once again. Now, Wes Anderson is relentless in giving us truly weird and artistic films. And Murray is involved once again. Their seventh film together. Incredible. I love this movie. Um, and it's got this all-star cast. The budget was around $25 million, And that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how he does it. This director. How he gets all these big stars to be in his movie. And they virtually work for nothing. $25 million to have all bunch of stars. I'm not going to ramble off all the stars. Go check it out on IMDb. You're going to be like, what the fuck? How is this movie $25 million? That movie at the box office made well over $100 million. I mean, a hell of a profit. Wes Anderson knows what he's doing. I don't know how he does it. Uh, is it, it must be his reputation, right? Uh, say, hey, come do my movie for free. It'll help bump your career status. It's got to be it. Or the script itself is so different and amazing that he just puts it on the desks of these actors. So they're not take a look at it. They look at it and go, oh my God, I got to be in this movie. I'll pay you to be in this movie. I don't know how, what he does, but he does it well. Good for him. I mean, some guys just have that ability to make films and to do it right, to do it their way, obviously. I mean, look at these films. Wes Anderson does. They're truly creepy. Off. Uh, the... It's the comedy that he displays. And you talk about dry comedy. I mean, that's Wes Anderson. The last film I want to discuss is called St. Vincent. My dad really liked this movie. And guess what? So did I. Engaging character for Murray. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is fantastic as well. I saw a clip of Murray on the set of St. Vincent. And it's like behind the scenes stuff. I don't know where they got this clip. I found it. And you get to see him just the way he reacts to the crew, to Melissa McCarthy was in the scene. And it looks like they're they're sort of just setting the scene up, getting things in order, getting things put in place. So he's just kind of walking around and he's joking around. You can see the look on his face. He looks very content, very comfortable and playful. And Melissa McCarthy is there and she's sort of following him around like a little puppy dog and just reacting off of him, smiling, looking back and just with a big smile on her face. You can tell that she's having a good time. She's probably learning a lot from Bill. And Bill just showed me in that clip how he is Um, when the cameras aren't rolling. He's having a good time. He's joking around. He's not all serious guy. He's having fun. God, I love Bill Murray. Thank you, Mr. Bill Murray, for being 
you. When I think of you, I think of a, a different kind of guy. A guy that doesn't, I don't know, act like everybody else. There's something refreshing about somebody that acts that way. The way he is, uh, crashing parties, uh, having fun, letting it out. Uh, he's a goofy guy, and he goes with it. He knows how goofy he is. He plays with it. He keeps people guessing. It's a game. And for him, it's the funniest game of all. For me, it shows you how he uses that, that playfulness, in his work. And it's very serious to him. Although he may have fun on set and goof around, that doesn't matter. There are many actors that do that as well. But when the camera rolls, it's business time. And Mr. Murray gives us great performances. Try to prove me wrong. When you try and argue with me, oh, Bill Murray, he's not one of those top elite actors. I think he may very well be. So thank you, Mr. Murray, for going ahead and giving us so many great moments that we can look back on, watch your movies, sit back, relax, and enjoy your talent. I get it. And thank you for everyone else out there listening to this episode of The Actors Room, highlighting Bill Murray. I hope that all of you had a great week, are having a fantastic day. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and spend the rest of the day relaxing. I'm going to do some laundry. I might watch a documentary. I've been watching this documentary about Lewis and Clark. Really good. I think it's a Ken Burns production. He does some great stuff. And uh, this documentary, I swear to God, it was like three and a half hours long. But I enjoyed it very much. As I'm getting older, I'm finding like I have this keen interest now in history. When I was a kid, you didn't give a shit about that stuff. That's why I would really love to go back and visit Washington, D.C. again. Because I went there as a kid. My dad was great. And my mom, she was great. We would go out on vacations and and go and see like um, not only Washington, D.C. We would go out to Gettysburg, Philadelphia, all those historic places. And when you're a kid, it's not the same. You know, I had fun. I'm not saying I didn't. But I think you get more out of it when you're an adult. So I'm kind of looking forward to going back to like Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and really appreciating all that history. And so I might go down uh, when I'm done with this episode of uh, Bill Murray, sit down with like, you know, laundry sprawled out all over the place and watch a documentary, enjoy the rest of my quiet time because the wife's working right now, the kids are at school, it's like the middle of the day. I have a few more hours of quiet time. And I might give the dog a walk. Just enjoy myself. So I hope that you're having a relaxing day. And if you're not, I hope you have a relaxing evening. And in doing so, you do this simple thing. This simple action. You put in a movie. You put in a movie after a long week, like an action movie. You want to see some stuff blowing up? Put that movie in. Or you had a stressful week and you want to laugh? Put a comedy in. Put an Adam Sandler film in. Put a Chevy Chase movie in. Do whatever you have to do. Charlie Chaplin, uh, Richard Pryor, 
there are so many comedians out there that just make you laugh, like a belly laugh, like really good stuff. Do that to yourself. Make it happen. Make yourself a drink. Put your feet up and enjoy the evening. Thanks once again. God bless you. Have a good one.